This show is part of the Miles Offside Podcast Network. Visit twitter.com slash milesoffsidepod for more information. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Super Producer Ian Stimson and Chuck Bailey. Oh my god. Top billing for me. Top billing. Well, top billing for me, but then you. Well, yeah, uh, that's standard. But... Yeah, but yours is self-indulgent. Of course. <laughs> well, isn't that what podcasting is? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, true. But... I notice, I do notice a significant increase in the respect since you started <laughs> editing your own podcast. I've g- gradually gone from, oh, he's sometimes here, to now getting billed above Chuck, which is not what I've asked for. You've done that. No, but to be fair, if we're going by effort put in... If we're going by effort put in, you two would never be on the pod. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you That's a joke. come in here with your accurate observations... <laughs> Clearly a joke. All the content generated is by you two. I see myself as a curator. <laughs> what content? <laughs> Hashtag content. Literally three people talking. From time to time. Sometimes four. Sometimes four. Never five. Yet. Seems decadent. It's, it seems like your workload would just be too much. Oh, for, yeah. I'm, I'm vetoing five <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> what if they were all on the same mic? Uh, easier. One day. One day we'll all get to record on the same mic. In the same room, it'd be lovely. Well, it'd be a bit hard to use the same mic from different rooms. Well, yeah. <laughs> I got my jokes. Uh, that wasn't the point I was making, Oscar, but yes, <laughs> you are correct. Fact- factually, you're correct, as always. All right. I'm sorry, but England won a penalty shootout again, and it's taken us this long to get to football. <laughs> Chuck's furious. <laughs> we'll get to it. Give it time. We got to go first, as we always do, with our... Rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. It, it, it's coming home. Very nice. Uh, in time, but first, our top story this evening. Gwen Rooney thinks that Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo would still not solve Manchester United's problems. Quote, you could bring in players Ronaldo, Messi, Ramos, and Bale, but it's going to cost you too much, and you'd get two years out of them, and you've written that money off. The first thing Ole has to do is build up the squad. That's it. What? Yeah, what's his point there? I mean, yeah, okay. His point seems to be, well, you could do that, but it'd cost a lot, wouldn't it? It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, no shit. Enjoying his inflated American wages. People come to MLS and they just want to make money. That's all it is. Do they pay particularly well? Uh, I don't fucking know. (laughs) I just found out that Bastian Schweinsteiger still hasn't retired. He's still playing for an MLS team. Really? (laughs) And he's like 47 years old or something, so... Jeez, there's hope for me yet, then. There's hope for you yet. Just come over to stateside. That's all I need. I all, I just need a yardstick. Just win a World Cup, and then three years later, you'll be in... Oh, fucking hell, chat. Why'd you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I was happy. You saw me happy for a second. Yeah, a glimpse. Problem is, there's not another World Cup for like three years, so that'll make you... <laughs> <laughs> Next news segment. Uh, well, there was one more quote from the Rooney story that I thought you guys would be amused by. It's down to teams like United, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham, and possibly even Everton in the next two years to get to the level or ahead of Liverpool and Manchester City. Wow. Negative. Not happening. (laughs) 
I know he's from there, but fuck. Yeah, I was going to say, an Everton fan speaks. I resume my previous point of next news story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Christian Eriksen quotes, uh, Eriksen, who has been linked with a move to Real Madrid, has one year left on his deal with Manchester United, and he said, if I have to go, it will Ericsson, hopefully be... Eriksen, Tottenham. Tottenham. He said one year left on his deal with Manchester United. Oh, no, 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 Tottenham. Misspoke. Uh, you know, it's all the same. It's all garbage teams that everyone hates anyway, so... Uh, I feel that I am in a place in my career where I might want to try something new. That's it. <laughs> Is that the extent <laughs> of the quote? Well, if I have to go, then hopefully it'll be a step up. Should I just take that quote over again from the beginning? Winning anything. No, I'm just going to talk over you. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> it's summertime. Let's all leave it in, baby. Wasn't it meant to be Real Madrid? Like, I can't see... Real Madrid have already spent, like, 250 50 million this window. Uh, yeah, he's going nowhere. Well, he only has a year left. If they are going to sell him, they need to sell him now to make money. Nah, nah, Tottenham will just go full Arsenal. Just let him go on a free. Well, let's move on to our next transfer story, gentlemen. The dream is over. This attacking player that has been long linked away is officially gone. Forward Bakary Sacco will leave Crystal Palace when in contract <laughs> expires at the end of June. <laughs> Chuck, uh, however will you cope without Bakary Sacco in red and blue? Why do we even bother? <laughs> he scored eight goals in 54 games in his time at Selhurst Park. That is prolific. Pro- prolific. By some measure. Eight goals were in the space of like 10 weeks and he was great. Oscar just looks up at his wall on the Benteke scale and sees prolific. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. All right, let's keep it rolling along. This is going pretty quickly for once. Rapid fire news. Uh, oh, God damn it. Gentlemen, the go. dream is over. Here we go. The prolific young attacker who made a name for himself playing for Chelsea, scoring boatloads of goals as a talented young man, will be leaving Liverpool this summer. Daniel Sturridge, his contract is running out. You're just kicking it into the long grass, Oscar, but okay, let's talk about Sturridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, Surge 29 scored 67 goals in 160 appearances after joining from Chelsea in January 2013. What is that? While we're on the subject, might as well take it seriously. What will Sturge's legacy be at Liverpool? Will he look back on fondly for that Sturge and Suarez year, or is it just another what might have been? Looked back on, I mean, Liverpool have got quite a few legends. I don't think Sturridge is particularly going to feature. Well, here's a quote from Klopp. He said, Daniel has earned the right to be considered a modern-day Liverpool great. I would think he came to the club when we were trying to rebuild and reestablish some of the goals he scored were so, so, so important. Yeah, but Klopp also takes credit for winning the European title six times. So he can fuck (laughs) off. All this six times shit. He didn't, he didn't, he's won it once. He's won like one trophy. Fuck off. (laughs) But how happy was he? And I was happy with him just because... Yeah, the man, the man's post matches are a legend, legendary. The German Holloway, isn't he? <laughs> he is the German <laughs> Holloway. Yeah. Uh, Ian Holloway's a little more handsome, though. I would say. Oof. Truth, probably got more of his own teeth. That is probably <laughs> true. Yeah, he went to Firmino's guy, didn't he? Him and Coutinho, I'm guessing, from their fucking day glow gnashes. But look, seriously, Sturridge is not a bad player, but. No, he's not going to be looked back on as some sort of Liverpool legend because it can't happen. It's just that they're, they've had plenty of legends, genuine legends in their past. They're not going to look back on Sturridge as a legend. He he scored some important goals 
But come on, seriously. Even Suarez, I don't think, will get that label. No, I don't think so. I think the most Liverpool legend you can get without winning anything is Steven Gerrard. Like, just oh, because of... he did have that 05 Istanbul. It's just so long ago that I forget. <laughs> yeah, but now they've now they've won another one. Champions League's a ten a penny now, so that's true. Gerard isn't even a legend anymore. Fuck him. <laughs> I wasn't suggesting that about Gerard necessarily. He's but... a Chelsea legend, if nothing else, for that slip. <laughs> my God, is that my favorite fucking soccer moment? Not related to Chelsea winning something. Oh dear, it's interesting him at Rangers, isn't it? He still feels to me like he looks like he's wearing his dad's suit on the touchline. It just it bothers me all the time. <laughs> It's like he's of, on work experience. Yeah, it, it really does, even though he's like older than me, believe it or he's not. He's an adult. <laughs> he's a grown-up. But like he still just looks like he's like, yeah, pretending, playing at being manager. Well, he is playing at being manager. It's only Scottish football. Yes, Scottish football. <laughs> all right, well, that's men. it. That's all the transfer news there has been this summer, so we can move oh, on come to... on. Okay. Chelsea. Yes. Real Madrid. Eden Hazard officially gone. For a fee that is, to my liking, could exceed £150 million. Could. According to the BBC, most of the contracts, or the bonuses that are put in place, are realistic ones. I think the one of the one that's a reach is the Ballon d'Or one, right? Like, he's probably not going to win a Ballon d'Or at this point. There's a Ballon d'Or bonus for Chelsea. Well, if he goes and he wins it at Real Madrid, then Chelsea get more money huh. for having sold him. That seems bizarre to me, but okay. Yeah, he also gets more money if he discovers the cure for cancer. That's about how <laughs> unlikely it is. Bit less than the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, a little bit less. It's 90 guaranteed, and then like there's a big one for winning easy trophies for Real Madrid to win, like La Liga. So what do you think about that fee? Uh, I just wanted north of 100. It's 90 guaranteed. He'll, the general consensus seems to be that it'll be, be hitting about 120 for like the realistic yeah. ones, and then a chance of the 150. Um, it's fair. His letter saying goodbye was incredibly long and heartfelt and, like, really beautiful. And, yeah, it's sad. Like, obviously, I'm super sad. But kind of like my reaction to the end of Thrones, I'm just mostly grateful for having had the seven years. And it's not ending, at least for me, on a sour note. Like, he didn't force his way out the way Courtois did. He came in saying, like, he said, like, six months after arriving at Chelsea, like, someday I'm going to play for Real Madrid. Yeah. It's been a dream of his since he was a kid. And I think genuinely believe him. In his letter, he said that I never would have left for any other club than Real Madrid. And if Real Madrid didn't want me, I would have stayed at Chelsea till the end of my career. I fully believe that. And he came in and we knew what he wanted. We knew he was on some sense like better than us, as fucked up as that is to say from a Chelsea fan perspective. Because we're not at the level of Madrid, Barca or Bayern. And he is. He's not done what some players do and completely down tools when he wants to move. You know, this season, he had massive goal involvement. He was only the fourth person ever to have 15 goals and 15 assists in a season. Yeah. Like, we didn't take him seriously at all for Player of the Year award because, like, there were more important things happening. But very quietly and under the radar, even for me, and I talk about stats all the time and I talk about Chelsea all the time, he had probably his best season as a Chelsea player this last year. Yeah. So that's to his credit, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, He's still gone, though, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) It sucks. I got, you know, what is there to say other than it sucks, but thanks for the memories. Bye. Bye. Chelsea still aren't appealing, so it still doesn't look like we're going to make any signings this summer other than Pulisic and Kovacic. Or they are appealing it, but they're not asking for an extension of the ban. 
Because apparently the court of arbitration came back and said, if you ask for a extension and it's frivolous, we'll hit you with a three-window ban instead of a two. So when does that appeal for the actual ban, when does that get heard then? It's uh, soon. Like, they'll probably have a decision before the start of next season. So conceivably, if it gets overturned, which it won't, because we did the thing that they're saying we did. But if it did get overturned, then they would be able to still do stuff this summer. Um, the bigger thing about the appeal was always like being able to push the band back by a window. Yeah, so you can have a window to prepare. Right, yeah. but then they were warned that if they applied for an extension frivolously, it would be an added penalty of one extra window ban. So it's just a weird kind of nothing appeal, but, mm. you know, who knows? Honestly, I've talked myself into next year being okay. If we go in knowing that it's a battle for top four, you know, kind of just resigning ourselves to the Arsenal level of like, hopefully we get top four, maybe we hit the FA Cup. You were at that this year anyway, and look, you got it, so yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. No manager, though, so that's good. Yeah, Lampard's the big talk. Sorry's been officially on his way out, unofficially, for like two weeks. That makes no... That makes Lampard to... Chelsea, putting on your neutral hat oh, makes a as much idea. sense as Solskjaer to United. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible idea. It's really a terrible idea, because once he comes and he doesn't do well, if he doesn't do well, then that's it. Like, they're not going to give him a second bite ten years down the line. I mean, they might, but... Yeah, only if he's super successful in the interim. Yeah, right? like, if you've been in love with a girl since you were five years old, and you're, you've been waiting to make your move, you get one shot at it, right? Like, you've been friends since you were kids, you get one shot. They're burning their one shot on Lampard now. It's weird. Although I do think, for the record, that he's a much better manager than Solskjaer. What proof have you got? Uh, his results at Derby. And also just like... Didn't get promoted. His natural leadership. <laughs> I mean, that's probably my Chelsea bias, I guess. But I I think he's probably a much better manager. No, I think I think he fits the mould of a player who can move into management. Moulder. Good. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think to to give him that job... No, it's too big. No, 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 no. It's a terrible yeah, yeah, decision. No, I know it's you're way not too big of a for it. I know you're not arguing for it, but it's just... I Yeah, it it's worrying. If um, it, Was the talk of um, Czech being director of football, or was that a different role? That was... Yeah. So Czech director of football, Lampard manager, Terry assistant manager. I was going to say, I mean, Czech's not going to argue against a Lampard yeah, appointment, Jogba is he? Yeah, owner, player. These are all your requests. I, know, I think it's that's like... what Ian's idea is being skewed by. <laughs> this is just your weird fantasy land. It's like I took over FIFA. FIFA 20, now I get to control the real <laughs> yeah. club. It is like I'm watching your game of FIFA happening, yeah. The only, the only benefit to this, or silver lining if I had to find some way of trying to take a positive spin on it, is that expectations are going to be ridiculously low, and he's going to have so much generosity from the club and from the fans. After this, how, after sorry this year and how angry everyone was around the whole club, he's going to come no. in low expectations with the, the ban and with no fans way. and ownership loving him like i think that he gets a pretty much a pass for next season for whatever it is you don't yeah. think he gets a one season pass chuck nope won't won't happen Why? doesn't doesn't happen in football because you think you think managers would get that all the time and you think they get look at sarri who's having to come in and build a whole team in a completely different ideology with completely different players to what he has he wasn't given a one season yeah, pass but frank isn't an ideology kind of guy he's not coming in with like a system and being like this is the way we have to play this is the only right way to play he's the adapting adapting kind of manager 
Where he's like, all right, who do I have? How do I get the best out of those players? He's not, he's not the adapting kind of manager. He hasn't been a manager. So he'll just go along with anything. That's I, I don't... I don't think it's the same as Sarri coming in with a system. And I don't think that Chelsea could afford... Do you genuinely think if Chelsea finished like 13th next no, year... No, 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 no. That, Within that, reason. that he'd be fine? Because that's what the definition of a free pass would be. Okay. That Chelsea could be able to do completely shit for a club of that that size... And it would be okay. I mean a pass to the... Ex- so, no, not at all, right? Like, 13th is, is unacceptable at Chelsea for anybody. Um, I think he gets a pass the way Emery did at Arsenal. They didn't make Champions League. They didn't win anything. But they were kind of in the conversation for a bunch of different things. And he's a new manager, and it's a transition. And so they're kind of open to letting it take its time and build up. I think it, it would be along those lines. Like, if, let's say, next year we finish 6th, we got to the round of 16 in the Champions League. I think they would take that and be like, okay, let's see what happens next year. Now we can invest this summer a bunch. You know what you need out of the squad. I honestly could see that happening. Obviously, nothing below six. Nothing below six. No, that's not acceptable on any level. Well, it would be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. Well, I guess now we can stop talking about Chelsea. Thank God. Yeah, well, you were the one that forced it. I was more than happy <laughs> to move to. on. We had to. Come on, we've been talking about that transfer forever. Now it's finally been confirmed. We had to. Yeah. And now we never have to talk about Eden Hazard again. Thank God. Oh, that just made me really sad. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, if you'll um, excuse me, I have to go cry in the bathroom for an hour, but you guys can carry on and finish without me. We were going to talk about Nations League and Women's World Cup, so I'm sure you got it. He's got it from here. <laughs> Nations League, third place. What? Say something. <laughs> <laughs> Pickford, spot kick hero as yeah. England beat Penalty. Switzerland on penalties. That's it. That's it. You guys win penalty shootouts now, right? That's what we do. That's what this was always That's happened. How is anyone questioning anything? I'm just saying the entire time my daughter's been alive, England has never lost a penalty shootout. Shit. That is true. There it is. She did it. Wait. She was alive in time for the World Cup? I thought she was born in the fall. No, 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 she wasn't. She was a thing. We're pro-life. We're pro-life. Yeah, we're pro-life. <laughs> we're pro-life. Not get into that. Life begins. <laughs> Cut all of this. I don't know how it is over there, but over here, that is not a joking topic. I've never seen. I've never seen Oscar react so quickly. No, no. Stop. Abort. Abort. No, we don't say that. Don't either. abort. No, don't abort. Oh, I don't know what. Well, do or don't. I don't know. Whatever you prefer. I'm not trying to tell you. Who knows? But whatever happens, England done a penalty shootout and done a win. It's fine, guys. Yeah. It's fine. It. The bronze medal came home. That's that's better than the World Cup, isn't it? So. Whatever your opinions on when life starts, <laughs> England win penalty shootouts now. <laughs> that's fine. That's you're really fine. not going to cut this. Are you? <laughs> We're happy with yeah. It's fine. It's fine. No, no, no. It's fine. It's okay, fine. Okay. The important issue. <laughs> the important issue. I am staying here, the hell out of it. America. What is continuing? Ultimately, to do what, you want to do. what is ultimately relevant in all of this <laughs> is that England win penalty shootouts now. I'm fucking dying over here. Uh, all right. I enjoyed that. So, Women's World Cup? There. Yeah, it's better than that men's bullshit. Like, Nations League. Who did? Who ended up winning the Nations League? You guys got third place. It's going on now, isn't it? Oh, is it? I don't fucking know. It's a fake competition. Portugal and Netherlands. 
Oh. See, the home of Peter Pan. When you told me England had won a penalty shootout, I was like, oh shit, they won it. Congratulations. No, no. No, no, no. We got beaten by the Netherlands because we decided to play injured Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. No, that's Tottenham you're thinking of. No, no, same thing. England, Tottenham, same oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Portugal is playing Netherlands in the final right now. So, you know, riveting stuff that we're like... <laughs> <laughs> that we all cared about. Look, if we'd have been through to the final, this would have been me and This Chuck. wouldn't have happened. Yeah, well, either this podcast wouldn't have happened, yeah. Or we'd have been watching it live and been even drunker than we are. Yeah, I'd have been nine beers in instead of five. Yeah. So tell me about England. Tell me about the experience of watching them again. It's been a year since the World Cup. I don't. I know a lot of people don't care about the Nations League, but it seems like you guys kind of got into it. Well, I, I I like it in principle that it. I've always said that there should be more games that mean something because we spend so much time just kind of focusing on the major tournaments and then the qualifying is kind of for formality, right? Because who you're drawn in with a group is there's some awful countries like England have always been with San Marino and like countries that they'll just England will get through their group unbeaten and conceding two goals in 10 games like it's it's just which irrelevant. is where the hope comes yeah England are really good at qualifying <laughs> yeah. yeah we went undefeated in qualifying for like four major tournaments in a row or something right. stupid like yeah. that and so, so the Nations League, at least with the new kind of structure where you, you are placed in groups and leagues with teams that are of respective quality as yourself, apart from Germany now that they've been relegated. Um, <laughs> and it just gives an extra emphasis to those games that they, they kind of mean something because they are competitive. Even if everyone didn't kind of grasp what the competition was about in the first place because... Fuck me, it is convoluted. It is complicated. It's good to have something that means something, but it, it it seems very staccato now that the fact that it's so long ago that the qualifying matches happened or the group matches happened for then this four-team knockout tournament between England, Netherlands, Portugal and Switzerland. Um, so I think people kind of didn't really care. So I guess my question to you is like, does it in earnest actually matter the way you would have wanted? Or is it still like mostly just like a super friendly, but not something that like people are getting invested in? I think I think people are getting invested in it more. And I think the fact that we're at that point where it's like, oh, uh, we don't care now because we're in a third place playoff. But if we were in the final of it <laughs> and it could be a trophy, we'd care. And so just that part of it means that it must mean something more. I like the fact that it means that you can see more of the competitive team and Southgate in these higher pressure matches can actually get the players used to the the way they need to play. Yeah, so is this something I'm going to have to actually learn about? Like, do I have to give a shit about this at some point? (laughs) You might do. God damn it. You might do. Okay. (laughs) So Germany suck then? Is that like... Correct. Germany are in League B. Relegated. Okay. So what does that mean for... What does that mean? (laughs) It just means for the next 
Nations League tournament. Uh, let's I'm not. sure it's not actually complicated. I just cannot be fucking bothered to read three sentences. I figured this out about six months ago. So go back on recording. And I explained at one point the whole structure of the Nations League and how it fucking worked. And I spent <laughs> about an hour watching through videos to figure it out. And fuck if I can remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's a problem. But... All you know is England got third place, so yay. All, all I know is uh, it's coming home. So more more competitive matches are better, but then don't chuck a fucking third place playoff in. Oh, no one wants a third place playoff. I know we won a penalty shootout today, but no one cares about the World Cup third place playoff. No one gives a shit about the UEFA Nations League third place playoff. Fucking hell. Did you guys get third place at the World Cup too? No, we got fourth place. Belgium beat us. Belgium beat you in the fi- I never remember who wins in a playoff in the third place final, so. Exactly. No one does. So does that that technically means England are both fourth in the world and third in Europe at the same time? No, this isn't the official Europe rankings. That's after the Euros. This is third in the sort of qualifying for sort of the Euros, separate from the regular qualifying from the regular Euros. Oscar, we're we're third in Europe and fourth in the world. There it is. Okay, yeah, we Brexit. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. All right, let's transition to a competition that actually fucking matters and has had some very very good matches so far. From what I gather, uh, and that is the Women's World Cup. Chuck, you have been the one I think watching the most of these matches. So why don't you fill us in what's going on in World Cup land so far? It's been bloody good. I absolutely must say, like we we spoke about it for a while, and and the Women's World Cup has had more exposure across all of the media outlets than ever before. And I think it's... is that in the UK specifically? Yeah, oh, very yeah, much in God. the UK. It's it's all over everywhere. And before this World Cup, I'm, I I have to hold my hands up and admit that I would never know that the Women's World Cup was on. Yeah, um, if it was happening. And I think the way they've dealt with it and BBC have been showing all of the games. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's been it's been fantastic just to sit and watch. And I've, I've sat down with uh, with my daughter a couple of times, and we've watched some football. My girlfriend's been watching it. Every everyone that sees you is much more open to it and and embracing because they see oh, wait, you're watching the the women's World Cup. Oh, what's what's going on and and how it is. And it's just been great to kind of understand that side of the game more and also see actually that however people may have that kind of gender divide kind of thing and the quality of the women's game is actually really really high um yeah, oh yeah absolutely especially watching the the opening game from uh, between France and South Korea and if you think of the divide between those countries anyway is kind of the same men's game women's game but mm-hmm. the quality and the play and the balls the, the the French team it was just fantastic um and and to watch their cohesion and and their their sense of occasion and understanding what it meant, especially as the host nation and just the entertainment value was huge. And it's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Similarly, I, I caught the Brazil Jamaica match this morning and it was fucking stunning attacking buildup by Brazil. Like they, they were poetic in attack. It was beautiful. And I, I do think in general, the women's game is much, much more technical than the men's game. I think the men tend to over-rely, if anything, on pace and power. Not to use those two very specifically triggering words, but, you know, like, guys, it's like men's tennis versus women's tennis. Like, there's a lot more sort of skill that is the determining factor in the women's game. Yeah. And so they do the dribbling and the techers that they do, the passes that they do, all of it is just, like, fucking beautiful to watch. It's like watching 
Andrea Pirlo, if he could also dribble really well, just all over the pitch. We were watching England-Scotland today, and uh, my wife said... England won, again, just yeah, saying. England won. It's getting boring yeah, it's now, isn't it, guys? It? Constantly winning on the international stage. Um, mm. But well, finishing third place sometimes. No penalties necessary. <laughs> Not required. Um, but my my wife said, like... They seem to know exactly where everyone else is. Like the organisation mm-hmm. of the England team was really good. The 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 sort of yeah the passing was pinpoint and always they knew exactly where without looking where their where their teammates were and it was quite impressive. Yeah, they're cut much more so from the same cloth as your Pirlo's and Fabregas and David Luiz's than your Mo Salah or Kylian Mbappe. Mm. Or even like a Steven Gerrard, who was just like a physical force in center of midfield. Right? Yeah. Um, is it the case that like, is this English women's team particularly good? And that's why it's getting more popular over there? For us, it's always been huge here because like we win it. So it's something for US soccer fans to actually be proud of and like have a, a national team that is like successful. And so we can all get behind. So it's been super easy to watch over here. For a very, very long time. I've always been into the Women's World Cup. You can even catch women's, uh, not quite MLS. It's the North, Ameri- North American Women's Soccer League, NWSL. But it's the same level as MLS. You can catch those on TV over here. Like, that's how right, okay. popular the women's game is in America. Um, but it sounds like it's a relatively new thing over there. So is that because of this particular England squad or what? Well, it, it shouldn't be success-wise. I mean, England finished third in the 2015 Women's World Cup. So, I mean, we were semi-finalists then. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah, there is a theme, yeah. But no, I don't I don't think so. I mean, obviously, obviously, England's a big sort of footballing nation, or we always like to think we are. So the women's game's always been always been big, but it has been minority still. It's not shown on telly so much. So I think this is I think this is a wider thing, to be honest. But it has seemed massive. I mean, like we've got a sweepstake going among some friends, which would just—I just don't think would have happened. Uh, four, of course, you would mention ago. that. Yeah, I would mention that. What were the teams <laughs> I got again? What were the teams you got again? I mean, it's hosted in France. Yeah. So, did you get France? Might have done. Yeah. Are the favourites the USA? Uh, ooh, yeah, I think so. So, did you get the USA? Oh, I did get the USA. Yes, yes, USA. yes, 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 USA. Hey, Ian, can we get a USA chant going just, just one time? Just one time? USA, USA, USA. Yay, we did it! <laughs> I am, I'm just good at these games, Chuck. You're just good, good at, at games. dumb luck. Um... So, but, so, Chuck, what's the driving force behind the increased popularity then? There's been a lot more media coverage over it this year, and it's been a lot more positive. Obviously, as Ian mentioned, the last World Cup, England finished third. And then recently there was the She Believes Cup, which happens in the States um, and was between England, the US, uh, Japan and Brazil. And England won that. Um, So it's been kind of a really big boon and like just a massive boost to to the kind of women's game. And it's been fantastic that it's it's got that boost. But I don't know if you found this, Ian, watching over here, but I feel like it's been so much more so much more publicised. But one thing I would like that I, I thought would be a bit better is the amount of analysis that goes into it. I think kind of seeing the nuts and bolts and and 
part of the women's game that maybe might be different to the men's game and seeing the formations, etc. But a lot of the replays they've been showing on the BBC have just been from the goals just over and over again and in multiple different angles. And it it just feels like it's not quite there, like almost almost like and I, I kind of get this on, on the one hand that like they don't want to invest too much into it because they're worried that people might not buy into it. But I think a lot more people are from the simple fact it's it's on BBC and every game you can watch. It's it's just so much more accessible. You're you're a hundred percent right in that it, it's great that it's on the BBC. Like that you can literally get every game, be it red button or it's on the actual HD channel or whatever. But you're also right that it is investment because when the presenters and the pundits are in an open studio on the side of the pitch with like stick mics, that is not conducive to them being able to talk to the truck, get the re- get the things they want, get the analysis that they want, as it is being in a closed studio. Right, okay. But that sort of thing requires a massive... I know that sounds stupid, but if you're on the side of the pitch, and I've, I've watched a, f- a, a few of the matches, and the noise from the stadium's been massive, like... It's much harder for them to talk to their EVS guys, their replay guys in the truck, and get their get the analysis that they want. Whereas Alex Scott doing match of the day, obviously she's got more time, but you know what I mean. That's you know there's there's much more conversation going on and blah blah blah. Now that is an investment thing, so it's it's a, the coverage is amazing in that it's better than it was. And to answer something Oscar said, I think there was a big sort of movement that Chuck's right with the She Believe Cup and England winning it helped. But then there was a big, also there was a Sport England initiative, I think it was, that was like, yes, she can or something, getting trying to get women mm-hmm. into sport. And that all seemed to coincide at the same time. And you did you did see a, a, a spike in, I think, women taking up sport and the coverage about it. So it's great that the BBC are covering it. But yes, I think a touch more investment could be good for it because I think I look at TV from a technical point of view and it has been slightly lacking and that has been an investment issue. Yeah, Chuck, I think you would get it a little better if you were producers like me and Ian are. Oh, would I? Oh, oh wow. <laughs> it's a technical conversation, so I don't know if you like really fully are following it. I don't but know. I, me, me and Ian are right there, right? We're on that same page. We get it. We get it. Microphones. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but little things like that do indicate a level of investment, yeah, like you no, say. Absolutely. And that level of investment does show on screen. Speaking of levels of investment, the VAR has been shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's made me not like VAR. Wow. What, like full 180? Not full 180, but it just makes it seem like... So... In the France game, which was the opening game, where there was a, a fantastic piece of play where the ball gets crossed in, central defender in the box, stops, spotted the ball in, volleys into the, into the corner, but it turns out like her foot was offside. Now, there was about two minutes, like they let the France players celebrate, everyone kind of lined up, and then the ref went to the VAR, and then they weren't showing, again, maybe this is kind of what you were saying before because of the the cost thing and, and how much investment they put into it, that they weren't really showing what was going on or what they were looking at, and you were wondering, but it kind of had to be offside. And it took a minute and a half, two minutes of just this awkward, 
everyone standing there not knowing what was going on, kind of potentially what Dave Dave Matteo yeah. was warning us about with with Australia for a while. And it, it just seems so mental to me that something like offside, which as by the letter of the law is arbitrary, you're you're offside or you're not, or you're interfering it's with play. Binary, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And, it, and if that's the case, well, it's, it's kind of relevant. It's very obvious. How does it still take so long to check that on a camera when you can see from a picture, all you need is a picture that shows the person kicking the ball and where the person receiving the ball is at that time. It's, it's arbitrary. It's simple. It's not open to interpretation. It's nothing. It's, it's done. How does that take so bloody long? And that makes me wonder, A, if the instigation of VAR is good and appropriate and if it's scalable if they fucking give a shit, because this is at the time as well. You've got to remember that they've said the Premier League, they're going to be watching four or five games at once. This is this is one game. This is like the, the World Cup for us last year. It was one game at a time where it was amazing. And it makes me wonder if, can they do that? Or ultimately, should the actual offside law be changed? Because when the ball was played, the player had her, she had her left leg offside however by the time the balls come to her two or three South Korea players have actually moved back across that plane and then got into a position that means that she would technically be onside and the reason the reason I bring this up is because it makes me think of rugby where if you're in front of a player who kicks the ball you're offside However, once that player of your own team runs past you, you're then back on side. So should there be some sort of rule in football that means potentially you can get played on side by people if the reason they is... Get, they, they are back before you receive the ball. Yeah, so or right. you haven't you haven't received an advantage. If I'm standing in an offside position and someone plays someone plays the ball for me to run onto, for example, and I don't run, and a defender then plays me onside, but then I beat the defender, have I actually gained an advantage? Well, that the advantage thing is what is one of two things that annoyed me. First is what you've already brought up that it took far too long to get an angle that it wasn't even in line. Like the f- the first one, the first angle they got wasn't even in line. So it was practically useless anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they only made the decision when it seemed like, and I hadn't seen it before, but there, it seemed like there was some sort of like almost Hawkeye, like virtual system or something with a line. Oh yeah, like this tech with like two lines and dotted vertical lines and ah. Oh. oh, did they have, I've never seen that before. Yeah. And, and that's what they based the decision on where it looked like, like you say, it looked like some, but, there's no, there was no advantage there, and again, we've gone with VAR being for uh, clear and obvious errors. There was certainly no clear and obvious error. Like my back in the day, offside was always you give the striker the benefit of the doubt. Now, if you're if you're needing virtual reality to sort of take two minutes to call someone offside, that's not a clear and obvious error, and I think you give them the benefit of the doubt because. They're not getting an obvious advantage. This is not a Carrie Lineker goal hanging situation. Like it's it. It was a struggle for me because I support VAR when it gets decisions right. Handball England, thank you very much. But <laughs> uh, like it, that was a struggle to defend. Now it's the first game in the tournament. Maybe we should give them the benefit of the doubt. But 
But, well, everything's going to have its problems with implementation. Like, literally, there's no system made by man in the world that doesn't have problems and error, like, built into it. Of course. Right? Down to, like, engineering systems for anti-lock brakes on a car or whatever. So, like, that, that to me kind of seems like you would expect it a little bit. Mike, so there's a cost and a benefit to everything, right? So, was it the right call, first of all? Technically, yes. Yeah, yeah, by the by the laws of the game, yes. Let's not talk about, like, should the laws be changed or... That's a whole separate conversation, right? And I do think the offside rule needs a whole big looking at because the modern game has kind of moved past it. But, again, that's a separate conversation. Let's, let's keep it to VAR. So, yes, it was the right call. Are, in your opinion, and it could very easily go either way, like, it's up to your judgment, but is the correct call worth the two minutes of awkwardness? In general, not, yeah, that's the again, thing. remove so, the whole, yeah. like, offside, like... <laughs> It broke the rule of offside. Getting the call right, is that worth the two minutes of argument? I mean, they still battered him 4 <laughs> 0. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a fair point and it definitely bears Because if you want to have a conversation about the rules, that's a different conversation and I'm more than open to that. Like I think there are lots of ways to rework offside. But to evaluate VAR specifically, I'm trying it's to It's one of the first times I've seen where it really because the World Cup was such a perfect example of it. There were so many calls where it was Nigh on seamless. It was it was perfect at the World Cup. What happened happened, and then as the knock on effect of that, but the but the fact you're getting assistant referees not flagging now, and it's notable not flagging for offsides, and this has happened. I think it happened in the Champions League final, Mm -hmm. and in a couple of other games I've seen where the play carries on for. 10, 15 seconds before they bring it back. You're like, you may as well, if, if you're talking that you're worried about replacing referees, that's one thing. But there's literally no purpose to an assistant referee if, A, nine times out of 10, the referee is going to overrule that person. Yeah. And B, if all they are then there for is something as arbitrary as, is it an offside or did the ball cross the line? Because cameras can do that job. That's a simple fact. You've got goal line technology. You can have touchline technology. You can have an offside technology. They should. No, I fully, That's fully it. am happy to like have that conversation because I think it's so, so easy. They have chips in their jerseys that the teams use to track their position at all times anyway for analytics. Every fucking team has that. It's 2019. So don't make it about the leg. Just let's all agree it's on the chip. And the chip is in the same place for every person. And boom. And is the chip ahead of them? And you can have a sensor in the ball, which probably does have that shit anyway, because it's 2019 and technology's crazy. Science. You know that you know the time code of when the ball was hit, and you have a geo chip that tells you exactly where they were. You don't even need a fucking person, right? Like there are a lot of ways that are not hard to fix it with a goal line tech type conversation, and then you don't need a fucking linesman because the computer is going to do it better. Like guys, did we just fix football? Oh, I think we might. Have. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I uh, thought it'd take a bit longer than this. <laughs> but to summarise, Women's World Cup, fantastic. And anyone posting these videos about the quality of whatever and corners not being able to clear the first man, just watch a Premier League game. Yeah, watch a fucking no Premier League match. the first fucking man. <laughs> Chelsea haven't taken a good corner since uh, May 19, 2012 in Munich. <laughs> When I don't know if you know this or not. But oh, <laughs> Ian, did we have any questions? Is- <laughs> yes, let's move on. We do have a question, Chuck, and it's from someone who you've already mentioned, Dave Mateo. Um, hey, oh, Dave. 
you can clone one player from your club's past to sign in the transfer window, who would it be? Ooh. Hang on, if we're, if we're cloning, do they stay the same age? Or the age we want them to from, be? Yeah, good point. <laughs> because I, I could clone some players now, but they'd be fuck off yeah, old. Yeah. You don't want a Jerry. You don't want Alan Pardew. Nor do you want an embryo that will take twenty years to come to any sort of benefit. Like who's going to remember that by twenty by twenty thirty nine? Well, you know, how do you tackle an embryo? We are a pro life podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> come on! I'm fucking come on! Uh, you're killing me! You're killing me! <laughs> now, when it says past player, does that then automatically rule out anyone who's currently in the squad? You can't choose Eden Hazard. You can't choose Eden Hazard. <laughs> That's not why I was asking. I was asking for you, because you would probably just want Zaha. Like, you just want a second no, Zaha. No, it's got to be a player. I, I, I think Dave implicitly means someone who doesn't play for you anymore. Do they have to be retired, or can they be someone who just recently moved to Real Madrid for an insane amount of money? I just told you it can't be <laughs> Yeah, just take Hazard out of the equation. No, we, I know. We know I, you'd I, have that, that's not my answer. I have my answer ready to go, and it's not even Hazard anyway, so. Go on, then. No, Didier Drogba. Fucking obviously. He's not the greatest Chelsea player of all time. That's Frank Lampard. And he's not my favorite Chelsea player of all time. That's Michael Ballack. But my God, is he the Chelsea player we, read, we need right now? Speaking of Michaels, it was great to see Michael Essien at the World Cup. Oh, I love Michael Essien. He's at, he turns up at Chelsea all the time. Him and Michael Ballack are like really good friends and they're always going to Chelsea matches. And God, do I miss them. I, for the spectacle and sheer ridiculousness of it at the time... I would go for Attilio Lombardo. Who's that? Oh, I was hoping people would know more about football there. Um, he... Wow, do you hear the shade, Ian? Do you hear yeah, that? I did hear it, but I also accept it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Incredible Italian player, maestro, uh, all over. And it was just one of those signings where literally everyone looks at it and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck, how? He is still known. He played for like half a season. He's still synonymous as being the bald eagle as long... Uh, uh, also with uh, Andy Johnson. Oh, Andy he Johnson. He was <laughs> just fucking amazing. And I was there when fucking Dennis Wise hacked him down and ruined his career. Also player manager for a bit. Ding. Ticks that wow. box. And when yeah, was this? Uh, 1998. Oh, okay, so it's say. so far before my time. No, I was a child, and he was just fucking amazing. Ian, anyone for Peter, bro? Um, I would go George Boyd. Um, George Boyd? You remember. Yeah. Burnley George Boyd. Uh, did he end up at Burnley? He was at Hull. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. at Burnley. Same, yeah, did he do Burnley as well? Noted Crystal Palace fan, George Boyd. Is he really? Yeah. Why do you know that? I know things. We stick with each other. We stick with our own round, don't we? <laughs> I know things. I've told you guys. I'm fucking Tyrion Lannister. I drink and I know things. Clearly. It. Clearly. George Boyd was brilliant for us. Uh, three promotions while he was in the team. But there were also some relegations in the middle because you didn't reach the... Yeah, there might have been. Shh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just going back and forth. But we don't talk he, about the two yeah, relegations. he's not a defender. That was their fault. The relegations were their fault. Oh, right. Um, okay. <laughs> He was always scoring goals. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant player for us. Far too good for us. The White Pele, we called him. and <laughs> um, <laughs> Which isn't problematic in any way. fraudulently pad his numbers as well? Yeah, and add erectile dysfunction. Oh, no wonder you like him. 
There it is. But such there a oh, such a good player for us. He was in like the PFA team of the year a couple of times uh, while he was playing for Peter Breven. Absolutely brilliant player. So yeah, I'd yeah, have George. That really highlights the gulf between our clubs. Like it's the it's the Abramovich money gets you names that you want to clone. Like let's say it costs a billion dollars to clone somebody. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> cloning a Dragba versus George Boyd. <laughs> George Boyd and an Italian name that chucks in. Hey, I'd have George Boyd over Drogba any day. Thanks, mate. I wouldn't. It would be Drogba. <laughs> uh, it would totally be Drogba. <laughs> don't don't take George Boyd away from me. He was brilliant. No, no, no. I didn't even mean that. I know it was condescending, but I didn't even mean it that way. <laughs> I know it was, but I didn't mean it that way. Like, genuinely, like, that is crazy. Because, like, Chelsea were a small club for forever. It was before my time, but they weren't that much bigger than a palace. I don't think. Actually, I don't know that, but that's how everyone talks about them. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Chelsea were a bigger club. Oh, oh, always similar leagues, but... Yeah. Peterborough have yeah. just broken their transfer record. 1.3 million for a striker. 12 pounds. Fuck you. Wow. <laughs> 12 pounds. 1.3 million? Is that Peterborough's transfer record? 1.3 million, yeah. Is that the first time they go over a million? Um... I, I think we might have hit a million before. I mean, the amount of players Peterborough have sold, that's, like, for good money, that's quite surprising. You But you you have always said you bought well. Yeah, we've nearly always recruited from non-league or lower leagues. Right. But, I mean, we've we've done some early transfer window business this year, I tell you. We've got uh, a keeper from Exeter City, um, Christy Pym. Great name. Christy Pym. Yeah, but he's supposed to be good. Uh, we've got... Newport County's left back Dan Butler, who's a brilliant. That's player. a good name, and uh, so dead happy with that. And then yeah, this striker, I think he's Mo Iser or something. That's a good name. That was your compliment to Peter Brasile. He did say that. I glossed over it. Really. That's a good name, <laughs> Dan Butler. It's a good name. It's a good. It's a good name. Pip Pim. What was the first one? Christy Pim. Christy Pym's a better name. That's a much better name. Related to Ant-Man, maybe. This is true, potentially. But yeah, I'm I'm in the weird position of feeling hopeful for Peterborough this season. You fall. Yeah. Yeah. You felt that this time last year. I don't... I'm not sure I did. I Chuck, think... give it a couple of weeks and you'll be talking yourself into a great palace season. Come on. <laughs> We're only Come one... On. No. You know how this goes. It won't be a couple of weeks because I'll have to wait until the transfer window ends... So it will not be until September 1st. No, it ends with the season starts now. Remember? Oh, has that gone through? Is that a change oh, now, yeah, is it? Oh, yeah, shit. I'm pretty sure that's in effect. I should know things Someone like tell that. Tottenham or they'll forget to make a signing again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they signed a stadium. <laughs> they signed a stadium. <laughs> I'm still thinking about Dave's question, man. Like, there's so many, like... Like, if I could do it now, I would clone Ruben, because then maybe we'd have at least, like, one healthy one. <laughs> what one At any given decent moment. player is it weird knowing that Ruben Loftus Cheek is now the best player at your club? Well, best is go on name one better favorite. Sure, name one better. Callum Hudson Odoi, probably. Nah, bullshit. Uh, Angolo fucking Conte. Nah, bullshit. Rated an eighty-nine in FIFA, probably in the nineties for FIFA twenty. <laughs> you know, World Cup winner, probably the best center midfielder in the world. Nah. Ruben. Also. Did you forget? We have Marcus Alonso. How dare you? <laughs> I'm all right with Alonso. It's just that he's not all right with the position he plays. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, we are on social media with 
the Twitters and the emails and all of those things where you can find us. Email.com. We'll probably be doing, yep, emails.com slash chuck dot net. <laughs> you, you want to get a, you want to get a CD off of a newspaper and then you put that in and that's like free serve or something. Mm-hmm. That's how the internet works, isn't it? Yeah, just eight three and a half inch floppies. <laughs> oi, oi. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> More like three eight and a half inch floppies. <laughs> hmm? Oh no, <laughs> three eight and a half inch floppies. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you know, you know what, what I'm what saying. I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. But they go that big. Oh, shit. Um. <laughs> Come on, Pele. But um, Oscar's right. If you want to, if you want to start some of this cloning chat, then you can get us on Twitter at Miles Offside Pod on Facebook as Miles Offside, Miles Offside Pod at Gmail dot com. And uh, if you want to contribute to this, then you can go to Patreon dot com slash Miles Offside Pod, where we put extra podcasts in there more during the football season. We've sort of taken a bit of a hiatus at the minute. But, uh, I'm going to have quite a bit to get through this week for the Nerdy Newsstand because E3, the big video game conference, is happening. Started yesterday and we'll be going through this week. So I would expect to our Patreon listeners to have a lengthy E3 wrap-up around Friday or so for the Nerdy Newsstand. Talking about the new Star Wars video game, which got some a gameplay trailer, which looks fucking amazing. FIFA 20 had some news. I don't know if you want to bring that up at all, Chuck. I know you play FIFA also. Football, in it? He loves it. Yeah. FIFA Street's coming back, though. Yeah. And yeah, other video game stuff as it releases this week. So, Patreon, keep that out. Keep an eye out for that. Cool, you're the you're the one bashing out the content at the minute, and we appreciate it. I mean, that sounded that sounded insincere, and it didn't mean to. I really enjoyed the uh, take uh, you taking us through. <laughs> I'm struggling. I've had it. I've been I've been drinking all day. It's been an unusually nice day in Peterborough and I've been out in the garden having what a drink. What was it, like 12 degrees? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sunny intervals. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. I really got to teach myself the fucking Celsius because I'm like, 12 degrees sounds cold or hot. I don't know. Normal? It's not good. Uh, but, uh, no, Zero but, sense What would it? it be, about 55? I don't know. I'm not old. Probably. You're not old. Yeah, it is an old people thing. Yeah. English, no. It's not bad. English... Weather only works in Fahrenheit when it's really hot and Celsius when it's really cold. That's true, yeah. So that each yeah. extreme seems more. So those newspapers can go 100 degrees. Can we talk for a second about how Americans are dumber about everything, but Fahrenheit is genuinely just better than Celsius? We don't have enough time to discuss how Americans are dumber about everything. Sorry, Oscar. Fahrenheit's just better. There's like the difference between 55 and 60 is easier to understand than 13.2 versus 13.5. Who's going 13.2? No, no one's going points. No one's right, going how points. Can you, how can you, as a mathematician, a scientist, how can you argue against a standard... Surely you should be all for Kelvin. No, I'm saying everyone should choose... <laughs> so everyone, everyone chooses Celsius. Everyone... Apart from the US, right? I'm, I'm. That's it. From now on, we are only referencing temperatures in Kelvin. Okay, so <laughs> today it was two hundred and sixty-two Kelvin. It was a fuckload above absolute zero. That's all. I uh, two hundred and sixty-four Kelvin. Two hundred and seventy-three. Oh god, uh, he's trying to work 20, it out. Two hundred ninety-three. I thought it was two sixty-two, not two seventy-three. Two hundred seventy-three. Whatever. Ooh, ooh. All Man I know knows his numbers is it was cider weather. And I've been having a lovely old time. And with that, we'll leave you to have a lovely time. 
thanks guys it's been a lovely, lovely Sunday time. evening a lovely time oh no more Warnock next season we're going to have to check in on the championship yeah, next championship year championship news I really will make an effort with that thank you very much ladies and gentlemen bye 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 bye